Barbara Larson passed away last week, and we are hosting a memorial service for her here. Tina, her daughter, has asked us to host that service here. It's going to be Wednesday at 2 p.m. here in this auditorium. And so I wanted you to be aware of that so that you could possibly come and participate, but also because you can pray for that family. They've been through a lot the last few years. And so uh, just be in prayer for them as well. Sandra and I will be meeting with them this afternoon and uh, to be planning that service. So uh, appreciate your prayers for that. Now, it's, it's just a wonderful opportunity for all of us to hear the word of the Lord this morning uh, from Brandon Werner. Uh, I'm so excited about listening to the word preached. And I want to encourage you, he's going to speak the word of the Lord. I want to encourage you to hear the word of the Lord. Now, the, the word of the Lord that he's going to bring to us is from the scripture but there's something personal here that God has just for you. And it may be what he has for you is not what he has for me. Maybe something entirely different. But my intention is, is to walk away from here today at least hearing one word from the Lord that I know is personally from me. You know, I find if I'm trying to listen to God and not to the speaker, I hear God through the speaker. If I'm just listening to the speaker, I normally don't hear God. I want you to believe by faith that God's going to speak to him, speak to you. He's going to speak to him. He already has. But through him to you in some way this morning. So can I pray for that to happen right now for you? And I want to encourage you to listen. Listen. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear from you this morning. You've said that you want to speak to us personally for our lives, and you want to use the, the body, the members of the body, to do that. And Lord, I experience that every week in small group. Every week, I hear from you through the members of your body, and I'm so grateful. And Lord, I want to hear through your servant, Brandon Warner, this morning. So I pray right now that you would put your hand upon him, but you'd put your hand upon all of us as he prophesies to us, as he speaks the word to us, and that we would hear your voice speaking the truth to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. Thanks for being here this morning. I'm excited about this message because I'm excited about this series that we're in, the series called Powerful Prayers. Powerful Prayers. I wonder how many of you would just start out this morning by agreeing with me that you would like for your prayers to carry even more power when you pray. Powerful prayers. We're going to look at that this morning, and I'm grateful to the Lord for prayer. The scriptures give us this freedom and this right that we can boldly approach the throne of God, not based on our own merit, but based on the merit of Jesus. And we have this access to the Father through prayer that is unprecedented throughout biblical history before Christ. What we have, in fact, the scripture says the prophets longed for our day. They longed to see our day. So it's an incredible privilege we have in prayer. And I want, I want to just at first put you at ease. If you're this morning, you may be thinking about your own prayer life, and perhaps you 
you want a more powerful prayer life, but you know that your prayer life right now is weak, maybe even non-existent, I just want to encourage you as we start this time this morning that the Lord knows your heart, and He wants you to express your heart to Him in prayer. He wants to have a real-life relationship with you. He wants you to be honest with Him and for Him to be honest with you in prayer, and that's something that's very personal and very relational, and as, as things come up in your life, you can go to the Lord in prayer on those things. And I just want you to know that based on the scriptures, you have the freedom to do that. So before we get into powerful prayers and, and, and encouragement on what a powerful prayer can look like, I just want to start with that freedom and just encourage you to pray. Just to pray and just to know that as you pray and as you grow in your faith, that that prayer life will become more and more meaningful to you. But I, I wonder if there's any of you in this room who are like me who, yes, I pray my emotions at times, I pray my opinions sometimes, I pray my thoughts at sometimes, but sometimes I just want to pray in a way that is just carried by the Spirit with power. You know what I mean? Like, I want those prayers to make an impact. Instead of just praying what's on my heart, I want to pray the heart of the Father. I want to pray His will. You know, that's how Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Your kingdom come your will be done. I want to pray the will of the Father. That's how Jesus prayed in the garden. Remember? Oh, he prayed his emotions. I mean, he was there. Oh, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. That was his emotions, right? But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He prayed the will of the Father. He wanted the will of God to happen. And I want to pray like that. I want to have a prayer life where I don't just pray my own emotions. I mean, that's good. That's, that's incorporated there. But I want to pray with power as I pray the will of the Father. Don't you? So this morning, what we're going to focus on in this series of powerful prayers is we're going to focus on one kind of powerful prayer, and this is going to be the focus of this, of this time. And I hope that if, as you listen and as the Lord speaks to you, that you walk away from here knowing how to be better equipped to pray the will of the Father to agree with him in your prayers. And, and this is what we're going to focus on. Powerful prayers are prayers that are rooted in prophecy. One more time. Powerful prayers are prayers that are rooted in prophecy. Now, if you missed last week's message from Pastor Jerry, I want to encourage you to go online and listen to it. Prophecy is really set up in last week's message as a simple summary, prophecy, true prophecy comes from the word of the Lord. And when God speaks, it's a prophecy from him. The scriptures are filled with prophecies from him. Prophecies can be about him. Prophecies can be about us. Prophecies can be about our future. But it's a true saying from the mouth of the Lord. They would test prophets to know whether or not they were true. And they would see, is what they said, did it come to pass? And was it true? If it did, then they're a prophet of God. If it didn't come to pass, well, that's a false prophet. So looking for the truth in statements and understanding God's truth in those statements, that's understanding prophecy. And so powerful prayers are prayers that are rooted in prophecy. Here's another way I could say that. Powerful prayers are prayers that we pray in agreement with God, with what he has said. That's what a powerful prayer looks like. So we can learn to pay, pray powerful prayers that are based on prophecy, and we know where the prophecy of, of God is found. It's found in his word. It's found in the scriptures. So the word of God becomes a powerful guide as we pray. 
together. So before we jump into the scriptures, I'm going to give you kind of the outline of where we're going today so you can really see it, and then we're going to open the scriptures and get started on this process. So there are three things I want us to focus on when it comes to learning to pray powerful prayers that are based on prophecy. The first one is we need to understand the passage of scripture that we're dealing with. Prophecy is all throughout the Bible. It's everywhere. You can, you can find prophecy in many, many passages, but not all prophecy is exactly for you right now. Some prophecy in the Bible was for another people a long time ago. Some prophecy is for a different promise, you know? And here's what can tend to happen, and this gets messy. You take the whole scriptures, and people will do this. They'll say, oh, I like this verse. I pull this out. Oh, I like this verse here. I like this verse here. I like this verse here. And then they take it over here, and they say, now all these things need to come true. Like, almost like they're wishing. Is it, I mean, maybe they don't mean to, but that can be how we approach it. And so we can move things around. We can say, oh, this prophecy, I like it, and I'm going to apply it to this situation. This one I'm going to put over here. I'm going to put it over here. And when we do that, we jumble it all up because we don't understand God. We're kind of taking it and we're viewing the Scripture through our own lens instead of really trying to understand what the Scripture is saying to us. So the first thing we have to do is we have to narrow in on the prophecies of Scripture and really understand the passage that that prophecy is in. Otherwise, we can misapply it. We can think this prophecy is for me or this prophecy is for our church or whatever it is, and we can misapply that prophecy. So we need to start by understanding the Scripture before we can move forward with praying powerful prayers that are rooted in prophecy. Once we understand the passage, we can start to look for prophecies in that passage. So, okay, now I get it. This is what that passage is about. So what does that passage say about God? What does that passage say about people, about me? What does that passage, you know, what stands out to me as a prophecy in this passage? Does any of this sound familiar to you? Anyone go to small group in here? We do this every week, don't we, in our small groups. We look at the passage, we read the the background. Why do we read the background? Because we want to understand the passage. We don't want to get it wrong. We want to know what it says. And then we start looking at it. And as we look at it, we identify, oh, this is what this passage says based on this background, based on this setting. Now I understand it. So we can start looking through it. We understand the passage. Then we can look for prophecies about God, about us, about our circumstances, about the future. We can look for those prophecies. And then the last thing, once we understand the passage... And once we've identified prophecy in that passage, now we have a freedom to begin to pray the will of God and we can pray it with confidence and we can pray it with faith because the confidence is not based on my own opinion or what I would like to see happen. I can pray based on what God says is going to happen, what he will do, who he is, who I am in light of who he is. I can pray based on the truth of scripture and I can pray prayers that agree with the heart of God. You understand where we're going? So we need to see this in the scriptures. And here's what I want us to do to, to do this. If you have your Bible, open it up and turn to, turn to Psalm 46. Psalm chapter 46. Get your Bible there in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you can look on with someone next to you. It's going to be on the screen, but there's something about just following along. I'm going to be in the ESV translation, but you can follow along in whatever translation you have. So here's what we're going to do. You got these three points. We need to understand the passage. We need to find the prophecy in the passage. Then we can pray based on those prophecies. With those three points in mind, I'm going to ask us to just leave those three points for a moment. Just leave them behind. 
And we're going to look at Psalm 46, and we're going to do the first point. We're going to understand the passage. So forget about the praying powerful prayers right now. We'll come back to it, but just put a pin in that for now. Let's just slow down a little this morning. We live busy lives. Let's slow down a little bit, and let's focus on what the Word of God says in Psalm 46 and what He wants to say to you through His Scriptures. It's an, it's an incredible psalm. It's, it's an, a magnificent psalm. Tons of imagery in this psalm, and imagery speaks to us. As I was considering this psalm, um, a song came to mind that we haven't, we haven't sang it here yet, but it's really become a very beloved song quickly. Um, it was in 2018 that it was written by a man named Andrew Peterson, but you probably know the arrangement on the radio better by Chris Tomlin. It's the song, Is He Worthy? Is He Worthy? You know, is, he, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? Remember that song? Okay. This song has quickly caught the attention of the church globally, and there's something about this song that's pretty unique. There's some other songs that have done similar things, but it's a, it's a congregational response song. So the worship leader asks a question, and the congregation responds. And I want us to do that this morning because as I was considering this psalm, I saw this quick connection and parallel between the first verse of Is He Worthy and the outline of Psalm 46. And so let's put that responsive reading up on the screen, and I'm going to read the question. This is the first verse of that song, and as I read the question, the congregation responds, and you see your response on there. There's four questions, and there's four responses, and the response every time is, we do. Okay, so I'm going to read the question, and then you'll respond, we do. So let's practice. Do you understand what we're about to do? Okay, we're on the, we're on the right track, so here we go. As, as you respond, listen to the question. The imagery in these questions moves us much faster than explaining them. So just listen to the question and then respond genuinely. Don't just say we do. Respond genuinely. If you, if you do, if you do, then respond genuinely. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Amen. We do. Psalm 46 is the answer to this longing. It's going to tell us what the presence of God brings in the midst of terrible troubles. It's the answer to this longing. Now, what you need to understand about the scriptures is that they're very honest. It doesn't try to hide or, or, or skirt the reality that we have troubles in this world. I mean, that's the first line, right? Do you feel the world is broken? We have troubles in this world. And the scriptures don't try to hide that. In fact, it's filled with stories of heroes of, of our faith who have faced so many troubles, so many difficulties. And the psalm starts out that way, acknowledging these troubles. If I had to put a label on the first three verses, the, first, the, the psalm is broken into three parts, and the first part is the first three verses. If I had to put a label on the first three verses, I would I might choose the label chaos. That's the label I might choose as chaos because when you're in terrible trouble, 
it's chaotic. Your life is just chaotic. And the scriptures don't hide the reality of the troubles. It's, it's present in the first verse. Listen to the first verse of this psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. There it is, in trouble. God is our refuge and strength. But I want us to understand that trouble is not the subject of the first verse. Okay? It's acknowledged in the first verse, but the subject isn't trouble. The subject is God's presence. It's God's presence in the midst of our trouble. That's the subject of the first verse. And what, what we should understand, it goes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. You could take those lines right there and you could reread them in front of every verse in this psalm and it would give you a better understanding of every verse of this psalm because that's the theme. So you could just take it one at a time. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we not, will not fear, verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, verse 3. Therefore, we will not fear, verse 4. You could jump all the way through this psalm and you could read it one after another after another because that's the subject. It's not our troubles. It's present through this whole psalm. But it's the presence of God in our troubles. That's what this psalm is all about. But in order to acknowledge this psalm and really grasp it deeply, we have to be willing to first wrestle with the reality of troubles. We have to be willing to visit and say, yes, there are troubles. Do you feel the world is broken? Troubles with health. Oh, I tell you, one of the ones that just perplexes me and continues to break my heart is this situation with Audrey Woods. And I tell you, based on her faith, she gathered our elders together to anoint her with oil and to pray for healing. You know, that's what the scripture encourages us to do when we're sick, to have that faith, to gather our leaders together, to pray for healing. And we did that, and I was part of that prayer time, and I didn't sense anyone in that room who didn't believe that God could just raise Audriel up and heal her. But Audriel's just going through trouble, and God is sovereign, but he hasn't relieved her of that trouble at this point. And man, it is just broken. It is so, so hard. And there's many in our church who are in a similar situation where your health is failing or the health of a loved one is failing. And when we lose our health, we experience terrible troubles. It becomes extremely broken, painful, and difficult to navigate life because of the trouble of losing our health. There's trouble with grief. Part of being in a broken world, do you feel the world is broken? Part of being in a broken world is that we lose loved ones. I, I'm just hurting for Tina Laramore right now. You know, she lost her husband, Wayne, just a year ago, about a year ago or so. And she's been a widow now for about a year, and now she's just lost her mom. And it was more suddenly. I mean, that is just so troubling. That is terrible trouble terribly difficult. Man, do you feel the world is broken? And then what about troubles in finances? Those are terribly troubling. Did you know that the number one leading cause for divorce in America is financial issues? When we make mistakes with our money, you know, oh man, or, or when things go wrong and we don't have the right things in place, it can ruin us and cause terrible, terrible troubles in our life. And then the one that maybe hits closest to home for me right now is troubles in relationships. I mean, do you feel the world is broken? 
Just doing the best you can with relationships, but sometimes the best you can do isn't enough. Relationships are two-sided, and it's extremely difficult. Troubles in relationships because of wrong choices that I've made and the pain I've caused other people because of my wrong choices. Troubles in relationships because of the wrong choices other people have made and the pain that they've caused in those relationships. And when that happens, sin just breaks things down, and it can just claim so much ground so quickly in people's souls, and it brings trouble. Do you feel the world is broken? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And then the chaos continues. Do you feel the shadows deepen? is the next line. That's what this verse continues to unpack. It says, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. At a first pass of that, that sounds pretty troubling. I mean, at the first pass, what I think about when I first glanced over that is I think about natural disasters. It's what it sounds like, right? Just waters roaring and foaming and mountains being moved into the sea. This sounds like a terrible natural disaster, and as an Oklahoman, I can relate, right? We live in a place where natural disasters happen, and they can happen without warning. They can happen suddenly, right? And they can, and they can threaten our safety, And we understand the trouble that a natural disaster can cause. And I want you to know this psalm was written in a time when natural disasters were even more devastating potentially um, and on a greater scale than they are today. Because we get some warning. We have News Channel 4, 5, and 9, and some of the best radar equipment in the state of Oklahoma to help us predict the days where we need to be more aware of natural disasters. And then if we know and we're aware, we can get underground. And hey, our stuff might be in trouble, but we're safe underground in those storm shelters. I want you to know they didn't have that when this was written. Natural disasters were a picture of just this sudden and overwhelming trouble that could devastate an entire community. Okay, so we get that picture. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We get the picture of this natural disaster. But this psalm is very Hebrew. It has a lot of Hebrew thought in the psalm. And there's a bigger picture at play in these first three verses than just a natural disaster. In these first three verses, there is also a picture of the undoing of all order in creation. So the Hebrew thought on creation is, remember in Genesis 1, before God spoke and said, let there be light, there was the earth and it was covered in water. Okay, And in the creation process, what God did, there was all this chaotic water covering the whole earth, and God pushed back the waters. He brought order to the chaos so that dry land could appear and life could flourish on the earth. Well, what do we see in this psalm? The mountains are being covered by the sea. It's the undoing of all the order of creation. It has the same literary effect as you and I saying something like, my world is falling apart, or all hell is breaking loose. It has that kind of ringing to it of just everything I know is just falling apart. It is terrible trouble. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? And we have this imagery of all this chaotic water and the pain that it's causing, the suffering of this imagery in this verse, the chaos, right? 
And so then the next part, it says there is a river. And we could all go, oh, no, no more water, please. We've had enough water. We don't need a river. Okay, but there's something that's different in this passage because there's a hard break and a transition to a new thought. And there's something different about this river. It's not the same imagery that was used in just the sentence before. Because the, next, the psalm moves out of the chaos and the acknowledgement of trouble to the presence of God and what it brings in our trouble and what it brings is comfort. God's presence brings comfort in the midst of our terrible troubles. And so it says there is a river, but it's a good river, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So what's the imagery here? We need, to, we need to get into, again, this is a Hebrew song, so we need to get into Hebrew thought. And in the ancient world, rivers were very, very important. They actually determined where the civilizations were going to happen between mountains and open plains and seas. It was all going to be based around rivers. Rivers provided several very practical things that civilizations needed to grow. First of all, water need a place to get water and drink water, the river provided a steady flow of water. It also provided protection. You could build a civilization and on one side you had a river. It made it much more difficult for wild animals or for others to come in and invade from that side. It was a natural barrier. It provided protection. And then it provided transportation um, of goods. There was, you could stick things on a boat on a river and you could move them up and down. It was a free road. You didn't have to go cut a road. You had a free road in a river. And so rivers served a very practical purpose in Israel. But in the Psalms, rivers also play in to the imagery. Rivers often symbolize salvation. They symbolize comfort and peace. They symbolize provision. So when the world is roaring and raging and our troubles are great, there is a river whose streams make glad what? The city of God. Okay, the city. So the river runs through the city of God. I want us to know this too. When we think city of God, most of us think Jerusalem, right? You think city of God, you think Jerusalem, but there's not a river running through Jerusalem. This is imagery that's being used, okay? It's a place of refuge. Remember the first verse, God is our refuge. It's a place of refuge. It's a place where we can go to be in the presence of God. And a river running through a walled city would have been a beautiful thought in the Near Eastern world where the, where the people lived when this was written. What a beautiful thought. We can have this wall around our city to provide security. The river runs through it and gives us provision for the things we need, and we are safe and provided for, and comfort is there in our midst. I mean, it's like the ideal setting. So there is a river that makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And then it says this, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. That's not your typical city. I want you to know cities get overthrown. That's just how world history works. They get overthrown, but this city shall not be moved. And then it gives us another picture. God will help her when morning dawns. How many of you have ever had a restless night? Can you relate to a restless night? And we have them for all kinds of reasons, right? Uh, we recently had a restless night in our house because our children were sick. That's a reason to have a restless night. Parents, you know. Um, we can be sick. That can make for a restless night. 
We could be worried about something coming up. That can make it hard to sleep. We can have relational conflict. It weighs heavy on us. makes it hard to sleep. We can be grieving so painfully. Makes us makes it hard to sleep. Whatever the reason, we all are familiar with a restless night. But here's the thing. Those nights can feel long. But what we always know when we're in the middle of those nights is that morning is always close. I mean, it's going to come. The sun is going to rise. And it's not that far away. We don't have to wait years. We just have to wait a few hours. That's the imagery here. God will help her when the morning dawns. It didn't say the city wouldn't be in night at any point ever. It said God will help her when morning dawns. Hey, darkness comes. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But guess what? God's not going to leave us like that. God will help us when morning dawns. In the midst of a painful situation, we may experience trouble, but God will help us when the morning dawns dawns. And then it says, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter. Think about those walls of that city. If you were in that place of peace, the river providing everything you needed, and you could just rest by the river. But if you went over and you looked over the walls, and you see the nations just raging all around, but there's peace in the city that can't be moved. That's where we are in the midst of troubles. The troubles are still present. They're raging all around. Darkness still falls, but we're in the city. We're safe in the presence of God. His presence brings comfort. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Now we had a picture of the earth melting in the first three verses on the chaos side of things, and it was a bad thing, the earth melting. This word melts has an imagery attached to it in the original Hebrew of gushing, the earth gushes. Okay, so the water imagery is still there, but this time the world is not falling apart because of the troubles. This time God lifts up his voice and he's making everything go away. And it's continued in the next verse, but first the refrain, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Oh, the Lord of hosts, he is the God who commands the angel armies. He has all authority and he is with us us. And the God of Jacob is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the fathers of our faith. He's the God who made them promises and was faithful to see those promises all the way through their completion and will be faithful to see all of his promises all the way through completion. And that God is our fortress. He is our fortress. He is with us. So we find comfort in the presence of God. And in the last section of this psalm, we find confidence. Confidence in the presence of our God. Listen to the scriptures. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Okay, how many of you have heard of the book or, or seen the movie, read the book, seen the movie by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Who's familiar with that story? The imagery we get here is a lot like that story. You know, there's a lot of darkness on the land. Everyone's kind of living in some terrible trouble. And then all of a sudden, something changes, and it's just one rumor. And the rumor is that Aslan's on the prowl. He's on the battlefield. It's amazing the confidence that begins to change in the faithful 
as they hear that rumor, as they hear that he is moving, it's the same thing. That's the imagery that's right here. It changes the battle when we know that God is fighting on our side. He is with us. He's on the battlefield. He's the God who will make every war cease to the end of the earth. Can you imagine a God with that kind of power? Can you imagine any one of you trying to go and make an effort to make all the wars cease right now all over the world? How crazy and absurd would it be to think that anyone could accomplish that, but our God will. That's the prophecy. He will accomplish that. He will make all the wars cease. He bends the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Then he says the, the voice of the psalm changes and God speaks. So listen, this is God. It's all the word of the Lord. But listen, this is God speaking. God says, be still. Not get busy. Not start talking. Not do it in your own strength and power. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Then the refrain, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So now we've been through the psalm. We need to understand the passage. So hopefully, hopefully you can see what this passage is all about. This psalm is all about the power of God's presence in terrible troubles. And it tells us what God's presence brings in the middle of terrible troubles. God's presence brings comfort, and God's presence brings confidence in the midst of our terrible troubles. That's what Psalm 46 is all about. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But hey, morning's never far. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? And then at the end, he's going to make the war cease. Do you wish that you could all see it all made new? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. That is what this psalm is all about. So now that you understand the passage, we can move to the next step. So remember the three things. Let's go back to that. Understand the passage, then identify the prophecy in the passage. I, we're not going to identify all the prophecy in this passage because we'd be here too long if we did. But I'm just going to point out three, okay? Three prophecies that are in this passage so that you can see, see them. The first one is we will not fear. The whole psalm is kind of teeters on this line, okay? God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in our troubles. Therefore, we will not fear, okay? That is a prophecy. Because of who God is, this is who we are or how we will be or what we will do or not do. Because God is our refuge and our strength, because he is very present help in our trouble, we will not fear. That's, that's a prophecy in Scripture about who we are because of who God is. Then the next one is God will be exalted. He'll be exalted to the ends of the earth. In every nation, God will be exalted. You can't stop it. No one can stop it. He's going to be exalted. It is a definite and sure thing. No question mark on it. It's a prophecy. God will be exalted. And then the last one is God will end all wars. You can keep trying to fight. You can keep your own will and agenda. You can let your emotions rage. You can quarrel and bicker. The nations can go at it. But God is going to stop every single war. He has the power to do it, and he will do it. 
So we're in the middle of terrible troubles, but here's three prophecies that should bring us comfort and confidence in the middle of those terrible troubles. We will not fear because God is our refuge and strength. God will be exalted no matter what. He will bring an end to all the wars no matter what. Those are three prophecies in this passage. So now we understand the passage. Do you see how the prophecies become more powerful when you understand the passage, when you get what it's saying? You get more excited about that. It's like, wow, look at what God is saying in this, in this passage. So then the last thing after we understand the passage and we identify the prophecies in that passage, we need to learn to pray powerful prayers based on that prophecy. So what does that look like? A lot of times when we pray, we offer up requests to God. And the scriptures encourage us to do that, to make your request known to God. Request is a, great, is a great way to pray. But it's not the only way to pray. And I think that sometimes we can get to a point where we think about it as the only way to pray, that we're requesting something of God. There's another kind of prayer that's actually the whole theme of this entire psalm. This psalm is a prayer. It's a prayer of declaration to God. It declares the truth about God. So what happens when I understand the passage and I identify the prophecy... I now, I now have a choice that I can make. And the choice that I can make is, do I believe these prophecies are true in my life or not? And to believe that they're true requires faith. And so let me give you an example of how difficult that can be sometimes. We will not fear. Oh man, doesn't that sound a little absurd? We will not fear? Ever? We will never fear? That doesn't seem right. I mean, there is a lot of scary things in the middle of terrible troubles. But do you believe the prophecy or not? God is our refuge and our strength. He is very present in our troubles. Therefore, we will not fear. So you get to decide about that. Or another example would be God is going to be exalted. Oh, how difficult is that one? In the middle of, God, how are you going to get glory from this? It's a mess. My world is falling apart. All hell is breaking loose. It's like the foundations of the earth are crumbling beneath my feet. It doesn't make any sense. All I see is pain. I don't see a way out. How are you going to get glory for this? And God says, I will be exalted. I will be exalted. Do I have the faith to believe that that is true? God, it feels like this trouble is never going to end. I've been in it so long, God. I need rest. I need reprieve. I need this to end. Just make it go away. God says, I will end all wars. I will end all wars. So there's the prophecies. But man, it requires faith when you're in the midst of those terrible troubles. That's why we have to start by acknowledging the trouble, terrible troubles. We can't just push them aside and hope that these things will carry power. The power comes from acknowledging the reality, but that God is greater than the terrible troubles that I'm in, that I'm facing. So... We need to pray prayers of declaration, not just asking, but declaring what God has said and doing it from faith. So let me give you these examples. Powerful prayers are often declarations, not requests. So we got two columns running here. Let's look at the first one. And the first one, the request we could lift up to God is, God, would you help me not fear? Okay, I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. But we want to pray powerful prayers that agree with prophecy. So instead of asking, didn't God already say you will not fear? 
in his word. So how about we, instead of praying, would you help me not fear, how about we pray, I will not fear because you're my refuge and my strength. And I lift up that prayer to God and I declare that based on faith, that's who I am. That's my right based on your word. I will not fear, God. How about the next one? We could pray, God, would you be exalted in this? And I, sometimes I get the sense like, God, somehow, some way, I know it, it doesn't really seem possible, I can't see it, but somehow, some way, would you be exalted in this? Okay, well, what if we declared it based on the prophecy of Scripture in our prayer, and we said, God, you're going to be exalted in this. There's nothing I could do to change that. You're going to get glory from this, God. So I agree with you, and I declare that truth. That's a powerful prayer. Or how about the last one? God, would you bring an end to my troubles? It's really painful. It's hurting a lot. Oh, man, God, I, I need help. Would you just make it all go away? Well, okay, that's okay. That's a request. But he said it's going to go away. He is going to bring an end. So, God, you're going to bring an end to all wars. You're going to bring an end to all my troubles. God, I believe that, and I declare that to be true. So, God, give me patience as I wait on you. Accomplish your work in my life. Test my faith. Help me walk with you. You see, powerful prayers that are rooted in prophecy require faith. You can't pray them without faith. You have to believe what the scriptures say in order to pray that powerful prayer in the midst of your situation. So Psalm 46 is about terrible troubles. If you want to pray a powerful prayer in the midst of terrible troubles, turn to Psalm 46. Make sure you understand the passage. Identify the prophecy inside that passage. And then pray based on that prophecy, a prayer of faith. Now, some of you in this room this morning, there's a powerful prayer that you need to pray. And it's the powerful prayer that you need to pray first before any other prayer because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And because you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not experiencing his power in your life. You're maybe not even praying. Or when you do pray, it's all about you. The concept of Psalm 46 is God's presence in the midst of terrible trouble. That concept is all throughout Scripture, and it finds its climactic fulfillment in one Hebrew word, and that word is Emmanuel. It means God with us. And Jesus is Emmanuel. If you want to experience the power of God's presence in your life, there is no other way except through Jesus. You must choose to put your trust and your faith in Jesus to experience the power of his presence in your life. Have you done that before? If you haven't, you can do that this morning. You can step right foot right into that city where the river flows through. You can swim and drink of the river, and you can know the peace and the power and the comfort, the confidence of the presence of God at all times in your life so that you will never fear again if you believe His promises and you stand on them. If you pray powerful prayers based on that prophecy, you'll never fear again. It will make your trouble go away. Let's not confuse the passage. It acknowledged the trouble but God will be present in the midst of your troubles and he'll give you comfort and confidence if you'll put your trust in him. I wonder who in here needs to do that. I pray that you will do that this morning. We're gonna give you an opportunity
to do that, you can do it right now. It's really simple. In your heart, you just need to acknowledge that you can't know God on your own. You can't be good on your own. And you just need to say, Jesus, save me. Save me. And then for those of you who are already believers, what's your prayer life been like? In the midst of your troubles, how's it been going, church? Are you praying powerful prayers based on the heart and the will of God? Or have you been maybe spending most of your time in prayer complaining? And again, we can lament. We can share our heart with the Lord. I started the message off that way. I want you to know he's big enough to handle what we bring to him. But I want to pray prayers prayers that carry power. I want to pray prayers that agree with the heart of God. How do you need to change that in your life? When you pray, have you been praying prayers based on prophecy? You can do that right now. In fact, I think we need to practice. We're going to close right here with this. Would you close your eyes and bow your head just because I want you to focus on God. That's the reason for that. Not be distracted by anything else going on. And just take, maybe you're, maybe you're more interactive learner like me, maybe just clench your fists possibly and imagine your troubles that's going on in your life right now. What are they? The things you face, the disappointments in your life, the pain, the hurt, the struggles. And as we pray, as you believe these prophecies by faith, just release those things to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to pray after me. I'm not going to ask you to pray anything that's not biblical. In fact, I want us to pray just based on the prophecies of Psalm 46. So I'm going to, I'm going to speak, and then you pray after me. And let's practice praying a powerful prayer together that speaks right to our terrible troubles. Pray with me. Oh, God. At times, my troubles feel terrible. Sometimes it feels... Like my whole world is falling apart. But you, O God, are very present in my troubles. Therefore, I will not fear. No matter what. Because you are my refuge. And you are my strength. Chaos may surround me. But in your presence... I find comfort, and I find confidence. O oh God, you will be exalted in all the earth, and you will be exalted in my life, and you will be exalted in my troubles. In you I have hope, because you are the God who will end all wars. And make my troubles cease. Thank you, God. I trust you. In the midst of terrible troubles, I believe you're in control. I believe you are good. You are my God. Amen. Amen. That's a powerful prayer. Amen. Let's pray powerful prayers, church. We need to conclude this time with some more prayer. Pastor Jerry is going to come and lead us. Let's continue to pray powerful prayers as we end this service. Received as far as training in prayer, you can't put a dollar amount on it. If you will take what you've just been given from the Word of God through Brandon and began to apply it to your life, it will change you.
It will change you. And God will work through your prayers in ways that will be powerful ways. And so I want to encourage you, take what you heard and begin to apply it. Don't wait till you come to church to someone to lead you like we did this morning. Daily, daily in your life, begin to make declarations of faith over your circumstances based upon the prophecies of Scripture. You are my refuge. You are my fortress. Many of the great worship songs and hymns that have been written, if you break them down, what they are is declarations of faith based upon the truth of the prophecies of God's Word. So if you need help sometimes, pull out one of those and begin to sing one of those as you're praying in your prayer times, in your prayer life. Make these declarations. As we pray over these folks that are here, we're asking God, yes, to move and work in their life. But we need to add to our request, Lord, you are their Savior. That's a declaration based on prophecy, right? You are their Savior. You are their Lord, whether they know it or not. You are their Savior. You are their Lord. You are their King. Let's make declarations over these as we, as we pray over them. This morning, we're going to end the service the way we did last week. And th- we're going to have our small group leaders come up. And how many of these do they get today? Six. Six for every small group. And we want all those taken off the wall. And we're going to make declarations over them. And you don't have to spend a lot of time on each name. We don't expect that to happen. But just read the names that are on those cards and declare who God is over them. Declare it, church. And then what we want to do also, this morning I want to add this. I know that you're getting some of these names, and they're not people that you have put up. They're people that myself and others have put up. I want you to mention the names of those that you have put up here in your group, okay? Those that are on your heart, not only pray over those names in your group, but pray over the names that are in your heart in your group as well, okay? So I'm going to ask all of our small group leaders to come forward right now and grab these. Six is what we've been instructed by those who know, and uh, we just want to make sure that every one of them is taken. And you guys can grab those and then move to an area of the room that you need to move into. If you want to respond to the gospel invitation that Brandon gave you, he's going to be right up here. And you can come and talk to him about receiving Jesus. Or if you did receive Jesus, come and talk to him this morning. You need to follow the Lord in baptism. So he'll be right here for that as well.